Alexi has done amazingly well. Um, you know, he's a he's a he's a true inspiration in terms of a startup company, and he he quotes the fact that he had no team, little money, and it's a classic startup story. Um, we've we've been helping him, but um, from the start, and um, he's got to the point now where his his products out there, Lexi's treats, is doing extremely well. Um, I think it's really interesting wherever you are in the process, actually, whether you're at the start, even before the start of the process or somewhere through the process to hear how other people have dealt with it. And actually, you know, it's amazing the amount of things you learn along the way. So I'm, I'm hoping Alexi can help with that a little bit today. So um, on that note, I'd like to welcome Alexi. Thank you ever so much for coming to join us this morning. Really appreciate it. And um, I'll, I'll let you carry on. This is yeah, sure. So look, I, I'll uh, give everyone a, a whistle-stop tour of uh, what Lexis is about and, you know, what the journeys look like, um, uh, as well as a few tips uh, that I've picked up along the way. And a lot of the stuff that I've learned is honestly regurgitating what I've picked up from lots of entrepreneurs, lots of advisors, and lots of uh, helpful people who've been there, done that. So um, um, hopefully it's useful. So look, what, what is uh, Lexi's? First of all, uh, my brand is all about creating lighter treats that are joy to eat. Uh, my aim uh, with this uh, product and, and with subsequent products is to just basically get past the fact that a lot of healthier foods often aren't satisfying. So I wanted to create lower calorie options that um, are healthier. Uh, I don't go out to claim, uh, you know, that we're going to replace apples and, uh, and vegetables, but um, they're going to be healthier treats that, you know, just are lower on calories and, and made with better ingredients and, and better on the nutrition front too. Uh, and I started this as an idea. I started this um, really around September last year. I had an idea. Uh, I was working in a corporate environment and uh, I wanted to do something totally different, something that I was kind of uh, passionate about and something that I wanted to drive forward myself. So I decided um, with this idea um, uh, that actually kind of me and my wife came up with, we were just making crispy rice, crispy things. Um, and we were like, do you know what? No one has ever made this other than Kellogg's. Uh, why don't we do a healthier version of it? You know, that's how it started. And, and we, we tested it with a few people who almost died. Uh, and you know, we somehow still uh, thought, you know what? It still has legs. No one's ever done uh, a different version to the Kellogg's Square. Let's do one with different flavors. And we had all these wacky ideas of all the different flavors. And we knew nothing about what you're supposed to do as a food brand. We just had an idea. Um, uh, call me a lunatic. But I thought I was brave enough off that idea after testing it with people and after talking to a few people who probably knew nothing uh, that, yeah, this is a great idea. We should definitely quit my job and uh, run at this idea. And uh, I went to Bread and Jam and one or two people said, you know what, if you're going to do it, do it fast. Uh, and I thought, yeah, I took that, took that on board. And, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, I surprised my boss. I used to work in banking. I surprised her. I said uh, by telling her that I'm going to be making uh, Rice Krispie Treats. Uh, and uh, handed in my notice pretty much um, after bread and jam, uh, almost about two days later. And uh, the first thing that I did, and I think this is a really big step for anyone who's doing a business, um, because a lot of people will start out with an idea, and that's absolutely fantastic, is I actually um, sat down at the British Library, which sounds like a weird thing to do when you're creating crispy cakes. And I was obviously making those in the background, but 
uh, I sat down at the British Library because I heard that there's, um, first of all, there's a, there's a business and IP center there, which is a fantastic resource. And I knew nothing. So I was just, just digging around for who knew something about food. How do you go about creating this? Um, and uh, when I got there, I discovered Nielsen reports, which I think everyone should access um, because they're really expensive uh, unless you go to the British Library. And if you aren't in London, uh, check out the British Library website because they do allow you to access these reports um, in uh, other, other libraries, but you've got to go via the website. So just check it out anyway. But these reports basically told me everything about the food industry. And I was just sort of starting off with a smallish business, kind of going, yeah, I'll just start selling these and I'll grow it. And I was, I was always keen to, to grow it beyond a, a small kind of store. I wanted to grow it into a, a packaged product. But these Nielsen reports really helped me craft the perfect product. Um, the, you know, kind of what the USP should be about the product, you know, what ingredients we should use, what the trends were. Um, and with that solid foundation, I think everything that comes after that, um, you know, without that, sorry, I, I wouldn't have done any of the other stuff. Uh, so I really, really recommend uh, as, a, as a small brand checking it out. And even if you're already an existing brand, you know, use those reports um, because I guarantee you a lot of research has been done that's out there and it's just you tapping into it. Um, but look, that research then gave me the foundation and, uh, I don't want to say the balls, but you know, the, the, the braveness to then go and run at this idea. Uh, and, uh, what I decided to do was test my concept, right? So it's all good showing it to your friends and family. Uh, you know, if your mum loves it, great. Uh, but she's probably lying. Uh, at that stage anyway uh, because anyone who tasted what I was making back then wouldn't have been that impressed but they were being nice so the best thing I, I really recommend any small brand to do is put it out there uh, and see what happens so um, it's, it's one of my biggest tips to ask for feedback um, and be brave about that you're not going to like what people say but biggest test and the biggest way that you can learn and and really develop the right type of product is to put it out there um, and I think the best way to do that is not just through sampling sessions so I see people kind of doing sampling in places I think that's fine but it's not the real uh, way that you're going to sell the product so try and get as close to the way that you hope to sell the product one day and try and mimic that when you haven't got any money so uh, companies will do that with big panels and research sessions. You can do that by setting up a small store, selling the product, and there's no harsher test than having someone who's just bought it tell you that they don't really like it. But you take that at that stage, you haven't spent any money, uh, not really, uh, and you absorb all of that and you know your product will change. And then you go to someone like Mel. <laughs> so you come to someone like Mel and say, I've created a product, but it has about one day shelf life. And uh, Mel is a bit of a wizard. So she'll ask you all sorts of questions about how to, you know, what you're doing, what your process is. And, and I was really surprised by the process um, because I just thought you'd just turn up and just sort of hope, you know, I didn't know actually, I didn't know anything about what, what Mel would do, but uh, what was interesting was that she worked with me on my existing process and also asked me about what my future process is going to look like. Am I still going to make it in the kitchen? Am I still going to make it 
you know, in a, or am I going to go to a larger manufacturer? And it was at that point that I was thinking about, you know what, I'd love to see this in, in shops. So I want to, I want to mass manufacture this. Um, because by that point I was already getting tired of, uh, making it in my little apartment, uh, with one spatula and a pan. Uh, so I, I was looking at the mass manufacturing route and, and I worked with Mel to, to create something that could be mass manufacturing. And it's really important at that point where, um, to, to really consider what route you're going down. Um, because at that point, if you don't know whether you want to be uh, a product that sells in hundreds of thousands or, you know, in a bigger store, or you want to be an artisan product that you make at home and you want to have the handmade label on it. If you don't know that, that's going to really affect all the other things that you do. So for example, my shelf life was only a few days. Um, that might be fine for my local farm shop and Mel could have helped me to extend that to a week, say, uh, but that's not good enough for retail. They're going to be looking for 12 months. So at that point I had to really think about myself, um, uh, what it was that I was really trying to achieve. Um, and then I decided to be extra brave and, um, Mel helped me to, to find a manufacturer, uh, you know, explore some of the, the, the routes for that. Uh, and then, uh, from that point, I sort of took it and, uh, went further. So, uh, little tip, uh, manufacturers don't believe in your idea as much as you do. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, what you believe in is, uh, very much you. Uh, you have to prove it to the whole wide world. And um, if you're just starting out, be ready for that because it's not a, an easy business. I, I really don't want to dissuade you, but it is a difficult business because along the way, you're always convincing everyone. That's customers, manufacturers, retailers. You feel like you're convincing everyone of your idea. And that's what I had to do. So uh, through a lot of work, I found a manufacturer um, and I, I really do recommend uh, early on, if you are looking to at some point find a manufacturer, try and create your prototypes as close as possible to the manufactured version of your product. So what I mean by that is, if you know that you want to create a relatively cheap product, mine's not very expensive, um, don't put the most expensive ingredients in that you'll never use when you manufacture at a later date. That's absolutely fine. You can test all of that. But when you come to manufacture, if you know you're not going to be doing that, or you're going to be using completely different ingredients, try not to do that. Try and find those ingredients early on and do that in your, in your prototype version so that when you approach your manufacturer, you can talk to them about what you've been doing and how it's really close uh, to what their capabilities are. Um, and at that point, you're really selling the dream just selling the dream to a manufacturer and saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to sell. And that's why what I did in October then makes the most sense. Because if you haven't done your research, if you haven't created some sort of simple business plan, it doesn't have to be a very complicated one, but if you haven't considered where you might sell uh, and just hope that it might be supermarkets, uh, I can tell you supermarkets take a long time uh, and there's actually plenty of routes to sell uh, as you'll discover in a sec. So make sure you do that research because you need to convince the, the manufacturer of it. And bear in mind, they've probably seen a million companies like you come to them with an idea um, and they might not entertain it and they might decide not to produce for you. They're not just kind of factories that are sitting there empty waiting for you to turn up. So, so do your research, build a great case. Uh, and if it's good for you and it's good for them, then you're in business. And that's what I did. So we went and produced uh an amount now you have to be brave at this point because 
with, if you're going to go for a bigger manufacturer, now you, you don't have to go for a big manufacturer. I went for a big manufacturer because I needed the cost of the product to be as low as possible. And that meant I had to order a lot. But you can start off in a really kind of reasonably small manufacturer and scale your way up. I just decided to go big um, because I couldn't get the price of my product down with a small manufacturer. So I ended up buying that pallet uh, and another one and another one and uh, took 35,000 bars. And uh, I think in terms of tips of, you know, why I took that amount was because throughout the whole period um, of, of all of this, I decided from day one um, to document the, the journey. And I wasn't really doing it for kind of, for the purpose of social media and, you know, trying to grow the fan base. It was really just, just to document it for myself, just to see where it went. And just so I had a record in some ways, but I knew also that it would be nice to take people along with the journey. And I really, uh, it'd be great if you guys could check out my Instagram. Um, it's uh, at Lexi's Treat. Um, if you guys could follow me today, that would be fantastic. I've got a special discount for you guys as well. Um, but if you look on there, what you'll see is that I actually built up a lot of customer excitement. And I think that's a really necessary step for anyone who uh, is launching a new business, especially because I had to launch it in the middle of COVID. So I had a, a difficult thing, which was I realized I couldn't sell to the places I wanted to. So a lot of the places I wanted to sell to were cafes, uh, offices, uh, lots of out of home uh, channels, all closed. Um, so I decided to launch online, Be Brave and Still ordered the pallets. And um, the fact that I built up a bit of a social media presence, and it was a very organic one. If you have a look at it, you'll see it's very messy. Um, that's because I just don't have the patience to create a like perfectly curated Instagram. Um, but I, I kept posting and sharing the journey and asking people, got them involved in, in part of the development. So I asked them what flavors they wanted. I shared everything from me developing the wrappers to the boxes. And one of the biggest tips I'd say is if you move fast, uh, a lot of people kind of are scared to share anything in case someone else steals it. Trust me, if you move fast, there, there won't be a chance to steal it because you just go ahead and just move really quickly and do your thing. Don't worry about other people. And, and that's why I shared all the wrappers, the boxes, everything along the way. And I think that got customers excited. From that, I also built up a, an email list. Um, and close to launch, I kind of said, sign up to this, um, um, sign up to my website. Uh, here's a special juicy offer for you, you know, uh, that, that you can have when, when I launch. And I had tons of people, I had 1000 people uh, sign up. And, and it was in some ways, it was a miracle, because it could have all gone wrong. But I think gradual steps and posting and building that up is really important. And do that from now, you know, even when you've got something that doesn't look polished, don't wait to look polished, because some of the power is in you being a small business. And I make a big thing of being a small business. Um, because a lot of people try and look like a big business. Don't do that because that's what all the big businesses are doing. You have something which is unique that you're small, you care, you listen to customers. Um, and that takes me on to my next slide, One sec. which is the launch. So I launched on August the 1st. Uh, these are my, my products here. Uh, someone enjoying a nice cup of coffee. Uh, and, uh, I did this all out of uh, uh, an apartment and my father-in-law's house, uh, which was uh, fun, <laughs> not for him. And uh, I had a, an amazing launch. So that's a Royal Mail van. 
uh, on my first day, uh, I filled out the whole van with orders. Uh, that's my proudest achievement. I bet I'll never get there again. Uh, so I've taken a picture. And, um, you know, it's gone amazingly. And uh, it's actually been a funny time because uh, I sold out and I'd never imagined that I'd sold out, you know, I'd sell out so quickly. So I've actually been out of stock for a little while. Um, but I think all the work that we put in beforehand, it can work. And I think online is a fantastic space. I really recommend if you can, if you're not doing something like a chilled product, which was obviously a little bit harder, I think absolutely harness the power of online. You can talk to consumers directly. You make the best margin. Um, and don't think just because other people are going into supermarkets or that's all they talk about, that's the only where you have to be. You have to remember, uh, this is one of my tips, is that this is still a business. Uh, and if you're selling online, it's no different. There's no shame in kind of just being online. Start there and listen to your customers and get that perfect product. So since that point, um, I've been working on new flavors uh, and also enhancing my product. So one of the beauties of being online and not being in a supermarket and in those kind of places is you have the opportunity to, in some ways, be a bit hidden and improve your product. Um, and get it right, build up your fan base and have a ready-made customer base so that if you were to enter somewhere else, you've got a whole bunch of people who already love your product, already know that you've perfected it um, and you've, you've created the best version of the product as well. So uh, I've got three new flavors coming out uh, in December. We've just come back into stock this morning with the Marshmallow Bliss and the Triple Chocolate. Um, and look, that was a little bit of a whistle-stop tour but I also have a few uh, tips that I've noted down and I, I'll just kind of run through them, conscious of time. Um, just These are just kind of almost as a little selection of random tips, but on the research front, absolutely know your customer. Uh, you won't build a product that works for everybody. So I've got a big prominent 99 calorie thing that you can see on there. This is my Amazon ad that I'm about to do and I'm about to launch an Amazon. I haven't put gluten-free and nut-free and some of those things on there because I know that my audience is a bit more focused on the 99 calories thing. So I've made that a bit more prominent. But when I first started, I had some of those other labels because I didn't know what would work. So I'm adapting as I go along, but I'm getting to know my customer. And I, I really recommend get to know who you're selling to, what they like, try and put yourself into their shoes, almost what do they read? What do they eat? What is their current choices of brand? Um, really do that make sure you try and do a little business plan. The one I recommend is going on Virgin Startups uh, and downloading their business plan template. And you can actually get a small loan, but I think the purpose of um, going on that Virgin site is that they've got a nice little business plan that you can just fill in. And if you can't fill that in, how on earth are you ever going to convince a shop, a buyer, uh, a manufacturer uh, to take you on? you won't be able to. So just do that now. It will be your foundation and it will change with time, but just, just give it a go. Harness social media. Kind of, uh, I'm clear on that. I don't know how you do that, uh, but just try it. Please do check out my, my Instagram and go all the way back so you can see how I've done it. Uh, I don't know if that will work for you, but it at least shows you that you don't have to have the perfect version. Just do something uh, and try and interact rather than sell, sell, sell. Um, big one is uh, money. So I, it's difficult to know where to spend money and where not to spend money because obviously you guys are all at different stages. But I would say as a startup, just try not to spend too much. Uh, and I think the easiest way to do that is always question in your own mind, 
do I absolutely need to spend that money right now? And what will it achieve? And how is that going to take me forward? Not just, you know, oh, I need to spend a lot of money on branding because that's what other people do. You can ask yourself, do I really need to spend that full amount on branding or can I do it on, on a reasonably cheap price um, and just get started with something, knowing that later on, often you end up spending again and again. So try and save your money if you're a small startup. I'm funding this myself. Um, I don't have any spare money. So that's the way I think. If you're a bigger brand, I'm sure you have a bit more. But still, I think that way of thinking will always be useful. Uh, and it's a bit like when you're trying to shop online. If you could just hold off a little bit, you'll know soon enough if you absolutely need it. You know, when you're excited and everything, you want to chuck all the money at it, fine. But throwing money at something doesn't necessarily um, just kind of equal results. And that's what a lot of people want you to think, but don't fall for that kind of hype. You know, think for yourself. Um, but absolutely use services. I, I use mail. I use someone to do my branding, but I didn't spend a, a hell of a lot of money. And, you know, I'm sure Mel... Uh, will testify that even when we had our session, I kept asking questions, uh, you know, use that, you know, you pay for it, you use it. Uh, and I'm sure people are okay with that. They see that you're a startup and they're willing to help. Um, weigh up the pros and cons of what you can do yourself. I hear a lot of the time that, you know, time is money. I don't agree with that personally. Um, I agree with that to some extent, uh, but it really depends on you. I quit my job. So I had more time and I was running at this. So when people told me to outsource things, I couldn't understand because I thought I could do it. Uh, and also, you know, I believe that I can do some of the things and it turns out I can't. Um, but give it a go yourself. It's also part of the fun of being a startup brand. Don't rush to just get to the end result. There is no end result. There's just a continuous journey. So learn some of these things um, and then outsource where absolutely necessary. Uh, and when you're so busy that you really can't do it. Uh, I mentioned asking for feedback. I think that's just crucial, but just do it along the way. If you go on my Instagram today, you'll see that I've just asked people about my new flavors. I've asked them what color wrapper they want. Um, at the bare minimum, it excites them that they're part of the journey. Um, uh, sometimes it's really, really useful where they say, no way would we ever buy that. And you just literally pause everything and go, okay, <laughs> that's useful to know. Uh, I'm not going to spend thousands and making mistakes um don't be afraid to pivot and change direction so uh i'm starting a a, a second uh, project uh focusing more on uh healthier kids products um you know that's a pivot it's let you know it's just been a year um i'm trying to do both at the same time i have a lot of energy by the way uh so not everyone will do that i get that but don't be afraid to pivot listen to the stuff there's no reason to just push 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 for years on the flip side don't give up too quickly either and when people sometimes say you know this won't work don't listen to that too much give it a go yourself and and listen to more important sources for example standing in a market store and having people say you should absolutely sell this in package you know in packages that's real information Having someone who's a genius and probably presented at Bread and Jam or someone like me telling you tips right now, don't, don't necessarily take that as you have to do it this way. Just use your own mind and, and just try something different. Um, and then the final one is don't forget it is a business. Uh, I see a lot of other startup brands that I feel like sometimes I feel like don't, don't just live on Instagram and build a business that looks nice. Remember, it's a business. You have to sell. Uh, you have to go out there, push the product out there. It's also hard work. Um, 
you know, it sounds fun at the start getting your own brand. The consequences of that are stock sitting in your apartment and you can't move. Uh, <laughs> so just, you know, just remember that and you might not make money for a long time. Enjoy what you're doing. Make sure it's a product that you enjoy selling, enjoy eating. Um, and yeah, those are all my tips. Hopefully that's been useful. That's amazing. Thank you very much, Alexi. That's so insightful. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it's nothing quite like hearing from someone that's actually gone through the process or it, as you rightly point out, it's a continuous process. Yeah, absolutely. A um, couple of questions in the chat. Um, how much did increasing the shelf life change the taste and texture of your product? Okay, yeah, uh, on my one, it did. It did change it. Um, I'll be honest, so what, how it changed it was not just, we didn't take the same ingredients. So we changed the ingredients that we were using and the product itself changed to be something slightly different, you know? Um, so it did, but I came to terms with it. And that's actually a big tip. If you're, if you're going into that space where you're looking for long shelf life, um, absolutely, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, kind of totally natural products that don't have a single other ingredient in it, but except that it can be difficult and someone like Mel will help you with this, but sometimes you need to add things in. And I've got away with using no artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, or sweeteners. So I've just about got away with that. But, um, you know, we had to change some of the ingredients around and it changed the texture slightly. Um, it's part and parcel. And then at that point, you decide, you know what, is it the, it's not exactly the same as when I made in the kitchen. Um, but that's very often the case. So that's why I say be close to your, try and produce something that's as close as possible to what you think will be manufactured as early as possible, even when you're doing it in the kitchen, um, so that you don't get the shock of your life when it feels like a totally different product. Um, I guess if you took something like fresh juice and then tried to create a version that was like, you know, concentrated juice that lasted for two years, you're going to have a difference in it. And it all comes down to what your plan is, what your strategy is, what your uh, aim is, because you might not need all that shelf life. Uh, so if you want to keep a great quality product, you know, the very fresh kind of product, maybe you don't need it. Uh, if you're not yet selling to supermarkets or somewhere that needs 12 month shelf life uh, and 12 month shelf life, 15 month shelf life is kind of where I, where I aim for. Uh, oh, sorry, nine, nine months shelf life to 12 months shelf life is what I was going to say. Anything above is always great, but I think 12 months is enough because supermarkets and big retailers, they want 85% of your shelf life. So you've got to be, ex you've got to expect to give it to them. Um, so you want to try and push that shelf life as high as possible. So you've got enough time to sell it to them. That's a very good point, actually. Um, I, I always advise people when they come and first look at a product with a list of 20 essential things, including like three year shelf life, you know, cost one P kind of thing. It's like, if you think about the things that you do really actually need and what your customers and consumers need. Yeah, customer and I, I think it's a natural thing that you, you know, at the start, you've got a long list, right? Because you're creating the ideal product. Yeah. Um, I think uh, definitely at that point, I would just put in hierarchy because the manufacturer would do this as well. You know, all right, you want everything. Uh, you can't have everything. <laughs> it's not possible. Uh, something's always going to give, you know, at the bare minimum, it's going to be cost. You know, you want to put macadamia nuts in there. No problem. Put them in, you know, they're going to cost. Um, so you're going to make some choices and just know in your own mind, what's the absolute priority? What things are nice to have and what things, if you had to, you know, you could scrap them. Question from Eniola. Um, did you get buyers before you decided to go for the three palettes of your products? No. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where I was was um, uh, COVID hit. 
uh, I was in the middle of development with them, with my manufacturer. Um, and I looked at that. First, I thought COVID, you know, like I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, it'll be all right. And uh, then it wasn't, was it? Um, so as it got more clearer and I approached the summer, I realized that, you know what, should I or should I not launch? Because some of the retailers I was speaking to, um, you know, I hadn't got them. I hadn't kind of got any agreements, but I was kind of heading towards uh, some better discussions. I thought there's no way now because I heard that buyers aren't interested right now. And even if they were, I just thought, you know, I can't rely on that. Um, so the logical thing would have been to just put it a pause, uh, you know, generate buyer interest and keep that going. But I get bored. Uh, so I just decided I'll order it anyway. And I changed direction and said, all right, I'm going to build my own Shopify website. I'm going to build, um, you know, more people are at home than ever. Uh, and they're buying snacks. Because the other thing was as well, at that point, I didn't think, I didn't believe that people would buy snacks online. That sounds a bit weird, but I just didn't think there was a market for that um, because I thought that was more of an impulse type thing that you bought in shops or maybe as a multi-pack in a supermarket. But people were doing strange things. So I thought I'd go along with it and I ordered it and just set myself the goal of selling all of that online. And that's exactly what I've just done again to, to give you an idea of how I like to take risk. But it has to be your own risk profile. But I've just ordered another 100,000 bars um, uh, of new flavors. I have no idea if they're going to sell. I haven't got any retailers right now that are lined up because I've just decided I'll focus more online, build out my Amazon, build out my personal um, website, and also sell to places like wholesalers where I do quite well. Um, but I just kind of, I sometimes like the risk of ordering it and then selling it um, because I think you can forever try and have the perfect scenario. And there isn't one. That's the truth. Even when it's perfect, it's, it's really difficult. So it's up to you. Uh, but some people do line up buyers beforehand and then take the risk. And, and I think that's not, a, that's not a crazy strategy either. Okay, that's, that's great insight, actually. I have to say, d dropping your job and going full head on is also something <laughs> that not everyone's willing to do. You know, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, okay, uh, so part, second part of the question was, how long did the food tech side take to turn around? Yes, I think it, uh, it can be quite fast, actually. So when I was working with Mel, we made a, a, a prototype of, of a product and, and it slightly changed when I went to a manufacturer because I realized I want a slightly different thing. Um, but I think we, we did that in the period of about a month. Um, and then working with the manufacturer can take longer because there's other aspects of it as well. Um, so I think it took about two months, I'd say, in terms of actual development. And that's not necessarily because it takes that long it's because your manufacturer is dealing with a million other people and they're not going to give you that. So a lot of manufacturers have labs as well on the side that will help take your kind of product that you've worked up with someone like Mel and help kind of get that right for their particular line and production process. Um, they're working with a lot of people and you're the lowest priority if you go to a big factory like I chose to do. Um, so it just takes time and you have no power whatsoever. <laughs> you're small uh you kind of you're kind of desperate for their help at that point um contrary to what i thought which was i pay you so surely you would you would kind of work no they can be difficult um but yeah i'd say i'd say about a month with with mel and about two months with with the manufacturer to get it right develop new flavors get the texture right so some of it will just come down to really small things so i tried to create 99 calorie product and the challenge for me was in particular I always wanted it to be as big as possible. 
for that 99 calories because you can cut it down in size but i didn't want that i didn't want it to just be a chopped down size kind of product i wanted it to be reasonably sized and, and that's what i did and that's where we got we found it really difficult because we got the whole recipe and it was about 110 calories and my manufacturer was like no no i think that'll be fine and i was like no my whole brand's built around this 99 calorie thing i can't do that and they were like it's not very much and i was like yeah but it's a big difference <laughs> and we worked for ages just to try and tweak the smallest of ingredients just to get it to 99 calories on um and then we had to test it and stuff as well so um yeah that, that's the kind of time frame um if you work with a smaller manufacturer and they're giving you all their time I don't see any reason where, why the food tech part can't take, say, two months. So um, uh, one last question. How many packs did you manufacture when you launched? I think you said 35,000 bars? Uh, yeah, so 35,000 bars. Uh, and one of the beauties of selling online is I sell in boxes of 12. So um, if you imagine when you sell in a, in a retailer, you sell one bar by one bar, you know, and you're convincing each and every customer to not take a product that's right beside it. Um, I sell in boxes of 12, uh, so whatever that is, my maths isn't very good here. Maybe 3,000 packs. Yeah, so it's about, about 3,000 packs, exactly. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that, that's uh, also just bear in mind, uh, it might be useful for you guys to know what my MOQ is, which is the minimum order quantity from a factory. Their minimum order quantity is 25,000 bars. Um, and that's them being nice because they believe in the project. The truth is their real MOQ is 50,000 bars. Um, so um, that's part of why I'm running at it as well, because I have to prove to lots of different people that I'm worth supporting. And uh, hence why I've just ordered some more and I'm going to sell it however I have to, um, because I need my factory to stay on board. Uh, don't put that pressure on yourself if you're not someone who's going to be working your ass off uh, to sell it because it will be scary when when it arrives uh, and uh, four pallets looks quite scary uh, six pallets looks worse <laughs> good. actually there are there are bar manufacturers out there that do sort of 10,000 minimum order quantity but yeah it's uh, you have to go in at the right level for you yeah, and, and, and you know what, you can do that on a really small scale as well and know that you're going to change the manufacturer in the future as well. That's, that's a perfectly fine thing. And I think that works more when you have something that's a bit more expensive as well. Um, and you're, you're entering places like Whole Foods, uh, you know, kind of Planet Organic and places like that where they can take a higher price point too. Um, I'm not entering those places. I've gone for a very mass market type product. Um, so I can't afford to have the extra cost and that's part of that decision. Um, yeah, but I, I hope that was helpful. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website, www.froghop.co.uk. You can book a free-of-charge introductory call at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.frogpop.co.uk forward slash resources.